Welcome to today's episode of The Growth Zone. I am Christian Bartsch. What is the core benefit of listening to this show? Business leaders in corporate and privately held companies gain insights into trends and strategies that provide them with a competitive advantage in the marketplace. Each episode focuses on an area such as marketing, sales, innovation or funding. That is absolutely critical to the growth of companies, whether they are startups or corporate global players, where management needs to juggle the challenges of market entry or knowing how to navigate the uncertainties of disruptive developments. Mindfeeding is where clarity evolves and helps solving organizational challenges. For those who listen to the entire episode, I have a special surprise gift. I am working on some great guests that are industry leaders in management, innovation and marketing. Let's get started on today's episode. Today I'm with Jonathan and we're going to be talking about this topic. How important is it to be mindful when you think about wealth and the unexpected events in life? Jonathan, before we go deeper into our topic, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself, please? Uh, uh, First off, thanks for having me on, Christian. I, um, you know, in a quick nutshell, I am a seminarian. I went to school to study uh, to become a Lutheran minister, turned Buddhist academic, turned financial advisor, um, and that's that's just the quick summary of sort of my career path. But when I was a kid, you know, we didn't have much, so I was really early on very interested in having more, and so I started studying business and finance and investing when I was about ten. And this continued through high school and into college. In college, I shifted towards comparative religion, and I ended up heading, as I said, to Lutheran seminary. Um, But I switched gears to the study and practice of Buddhism, so that's where this mindfulness thing comes in. And then finally, sort of coming full circle, I went back to money and investing when, you know, my wife, my first wife, my wife at the time, um, said, "Hey, it's her turn to go to school," and I had to go get a job. And I wasn't, you know, I I hadn't yet completed my my uh, degree program. So I dropped out and I looked for a job and I, and Wall Street hired pretty much anybody. And so I was hired on and spent five years as a glorified salesman before I started my own firm in 20, sorry. Yeah. In 2020. So it's been about 20 years now, sorry, in 2000, it's been about 20 years now. Mm-hmm. Um, and the interesting thing, and, and I love your intro uh, to today's episode uh, the interesting thing that happened to me is three weeks ago, my brother passed. And so the surprises that hit us are something we can plan ahead for. Uh, and and it's worth attempting a conversation around. Exactly. And that's the thing when you think of it. Um, life has always so many changes and things sometimes are unexpected. As an example, for instance, usually you always expect like in a, in a wedding or in a marriage, let's say, usually um, I would expect maybe 10, 20, 30 years ago, one would usually say the husband dies first and then eventually the wife dies. And yeah, 
but for my grandfather, for instance, uh, my grandmother died suddenly, unexpected, and then he was left and eventually moved up uh, to Lancashire to stay with his sister, and she managed to become a hundred years old. So you you think of it, there are so many things that unexpected, really unexpected in life, and you cannot really say how long are we going to live, what's going to happen, how what is going to happen things happen in life you have an accident or you have some health issue suddenly doesn't automatically mean that you're going to die but it can be so life-changing that you have to really adjust yeah in in um in my buddhist studies they talked about well they (laughs) there's a lot of talk about you know this concept of impermanence you know we all sicken we all age we all die we all lose things that are important to us and as we live our lives we forget that that's the fact we forget that the reality is this happens to everybody uh and we have a choice today with whatever the situation we have today to think about that and to recognize that and in the last three weeks since my brother passed i've spent um, a lot of time re-weighing, reconsidering what's important. And one of the things that, that he did that was really impressive is, you know, and, and I say I put my family first, but he, he actually, he took some steps to make sure the family was together, you know, during the pandemic and actually the year before the pandemic. And they, they did a lot of things together, um, you know, had an, inc- had an incredible family life. Um, and I've, I've had a good family life. My kids and I are close. My wife and I are close. It's all good. But there's a difference there in my time spend. You know, I've worked really hard in the last few years. And I'm not saying he didn't work hard. You know, it's 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 interesting dynamic to think about it. But you have to take care of and plan for it and think about what might happen. And that actually is not just a financial thing. It's, it's a very emotional thing. Um, you know, I, I'm recognizing my kids are 16 and 13, which means I have probably two and five years before they're off to college with, with them. And so I have a, I have a short window of time here that I can commit serious time with them, you know, while they try to separate and push me away and become adults themselves. Um, I have a very short period of time that I'll be able to spend as much time with them as I, as I possibly can. And that becomes a, a much bigger focus at this point, uh, than working. Uh, and you know, I've read these books, uh, I've read, you know, when you ask a centenarian on their deathbed, what's important not a single one of them says, you know, I really wish I would have worked more. They all say, I really wish I would spend more time with family. And that's, that's really coming home for me right now in a way that, you know, I could understand intellectually a month ago, but now, you know, my heart gets it. And so now there's going to be a behavior change that comes along with it. Exactly. Because usually we have like focus, we have to make money. We have to, I don't let's say keep our jobs or we have to uh, survive a pandemic and keep the business running we may be as well responsible maybe for many people whose livelihoods are dependent on us let's say if you have a company with several employees and if we screw it up because we don't take care anymore of the business or we invest money into something crazy or whatever and the whole money goes down the company goes down the reputation is damaged these people lose their livelihoods and there are, of course, as well, families with kids and dreams and everything, aspirations, kids maybe saving up to go to university and everything. And then we screw it up. And we, we're not just our family affected. It's those who actually we are responsible as well for. Maybe in corporate people sometimes maybe don't, don't have this kind of feeling. But I think 
especially as entrepreneurs, when we have our own business, we we're not just doing it just because of the money, but we're doing it because we do we want to have the business run in a different way, the way we believe what our values are, what our expectations are, and as well how we think that's how I want to treat people, how I want to have people working for me in this and this way. And then you take as well responsibility to a certain degree because people become part of your family to a certain extent. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really, I mean, it's, it's so interesting because literally the weekend before he died, I was back at home and I was talking to my dad who has been an entrepreneur and has, you know, run small businesses and he's an engineer. And so he's done this all his life and he has never, stepped away from work. I mean, he's 80. I was there for his 80th birthday and he's still working on the real estate investments that, that he has, um, in Rapid City, South Dakota. And I was back and I was saying, you know, dad, why, why do you still work so hard? You know, why is it so important to you that you're still productive and all these kinds of things? And, and, you know, having these really deep conversations and, and recognizing where, where my, you know, deepest beliefs around money come from, you know, growing up without much, I really learned, or I really, it's not, it's not this isn't a fact that, that there's something that welled up inside me that said, in order to be stable, you have to focus on earning money. Uh, and, and I think it's, I don't want to, I don't want to say that's not important at all. I think it is important. I think we, you know, um, we ignore that at our peril. However, it doesn't have to be as fear-based as it is in me. And I, I was always afraid of not having enough. And I was always afraid of, of um, the judgment of my peers. I, there's so many fears. And, and when, when a tragedy hits the way this has hit my family, man, it just, it just brings a lot of this. It brings a lot of this stuff home to what really matters. Uh, we talk about we talk about simple, simplifying wealth, you know, making it, and you mentioned this earlier, you, people get sucked into these crazy investment ideas, you know, you know, and, and I can, in the U S I can name, you know, Bitcoin and, and, you know, there's all kinds of stuff that are going to GameStop, you know, meme stocks, these all Tesla, you know, there's all of these things that are just that, that start, sort of take on a life of their own that you don't have to engage in, that you can actually really simplify how wealth is managed and that gives you the time and effort and energy so that you can spend time on something else, your family, you know, something meaningful, uh, projects in your community, um, giving back to somebody that doesn't have as much. Uh, and so I know that a lot of the audience is, you know, the entrepreneurial and their you know, leaders, and that's all really good and important stuff. And we should all endeavor to develop those skills and those abilities, but we can't forget from where we came and we can't forget the importance of family and we can't forget um, those things that make life meaningful and rich and make wealth important. You know, don't, I'm not trying to build a pile of wealth so I can do fun things. I'm trying to build a pile of wealth so that I can take care of my family and meet my responsibilities. You know, I can maybe tilt a little more than I have tilted towards um, being present you know, not being absent and working hard. And that's, that is my lesson out of this is I don't have to be as afraid. You know, we're, my brother was 45 uh, and 
you know, he's not here anymore. Uh, he didn't get the last, I guess, 50, 40, 50 years of his life that was due him. That will affect his family in a huge way. Um, I would just advise anybody to just pay attention so that they don't, that doesn't happen to them. Uh, and risk is out there. It's, you know, it's going to happen to more people, but prepare for it as much as we can. Exactly. And the thing is, sometimes people just pass away because of health, accidents, other kind of things. Things that are actually doesn't have actually anything to do with them. It's not their fault. It's just something that just happens sometimes by coincidence, being at the wrong time, a wrong place, or other kind of things. Or people just having some kind of issues and they just take it out on anyone who just passes by. When you think yep. of these before when they used to have all these bank robberies and hostage taking and all people taking committing suicide and that kind of crazy stuff happening yeah stuff happens and, and you think why why does it have to happen and yeah it takes as well of course to the thought of course that especially when you're young to a certain age and you experience why there are wars and so on you think of it in today's day we are now like in 2021 and Humanity, just an example, humanity should have learned by now after, even when we take the time of the Romans to now, learned enough by enough of wars and, and famine and all these consequences that actually uh, one shouldn't have wars. It's, it doesn't make sense. And hmm. when you think of it, each big war, whether it was the war, the 30-year war that happened, I think, like 1600 something in Europe, for instance, there was like, Uh, it was 30 years of famine for Europe. It was crazy. And then look at the First World War, famine in all countries. Then we had the, the Spanish flu and so on that just hit around. And then Second World War, there's famine again. There's extreme uh, cold winters, not enough stuff to keep people warm and so on. Then you have like blockades and, and iron curtains, all crazy stuff happening. And... Still, people don't learn and think, hey, wait a minute, what's really important in life? It's not throwing bombs or developing new technology to kill people. And that. now they're developing these robots that can kill each other and, and can kill and this kind of thing. What's the point? Are, you, are they nuts? Yeah. <laughs> they should invest the time, the energy, the creativity, and the talents into something that really improves this world instead of trying to destroy it. And that's just stupid what they're doing. Yeah, and there's, it's. Uh, I mean, it's really interesting because you know I, I think that a lot of that is is it comes out of fear. It comes out of you know we we get to a certain place uh, of success as a culture or as a country, and we say, well, well, we're we're you know we're here, we're on top. How do we keep this? And uh, and that's true. You know, if you're if you're a company and you have a dominant market position you are willing to bend the rules and, and, you know, create blocks for other people to enter your industry because, because it protects your position and countries do it all the time. Um, you know, individuals do it, families do it. And that's a hundred percent. It's, it's out of fear of losing what we have. And that is, you know, it's the, it's the human condition. Like we, again, go back to, everything is impermanent. We will all sicken. We will all age. We will all die. Things that are important uh, to us will be taken from us. There is no way to avoid that. That is the reality. And the Buddha talked about that as suffering. And mm -hmm. 
And uh, those things are the pain. The how do we live knowing those things is the choice of suffering or not suffering, recognizing that they are just part of the deal. You know, life implies death. You know, my brother died way too soon. He died way too young. It was a complete shock to everyone involved. He actually drowned in the Pacific Ocean. Mm -hmm. Um, There's not a day. I mean, it's been three weeks. It's still pretty, it's still pretty early. Um, but I'm, I cry four or five times a day. I can't imagine not crying. Uh, I had a buddy of mine call yesterday, um, who lost his brother about a year, 14 months ago, 15 months ago. And he was calling to say, you know, I'm really sorry for your loss. But while he was saying, I'm really sorry for your loss, he just lost it. And that's, that's 15 months in. So tragedy happens. It is, you can't avoid it. Um, so the question is, given that, how will you live? What choices will you make? Will you create a little, you know, corner of the universe and defend it? Or will you engage your fellow man and make it a better place? Um, if you're an entrepreneur, you know, are you the kind of an entrepreneur that will, you know, not support the growth of your employees? Or are you the kind of person that's going to support the growth and advancement of everyone that you work with? Are you going to try to carve off more for you? Or are you going to try to grow, grow the pie for everybody? Um, are you going to um, be the kind of person that's selling stuff that hurts people? Whether that's, you know, Pepsi Cola or whether that's a weapon or whether that's, you know, Lay's potato chips, whatever, those things aren't healthy. They're not good for folks. Weapons, not good for folks. And these people, these, these companies have salesmen. I don't know how you square that. Um, you know, how, how do you, how are you okay doing these things that actually hurt people? And yes, someone else is going to respond. Well, people make choices and that's true. People, people do have to take some responsibility for their choices. But personally, I want to, I want to commit my life, um, especially after this tragedy to doing some good stuff. Um, my brother was trying to, we were trying to do some good stuff together. He was doing good stuff. Uh, and, and I've, you know, it's not that I haven't been doing good stuff, but it's time for a recommitment. And I think we can share this broadly. Yeah, exactly. And that reminds me as well, when you think of it, even today, as I mentioned before, that there's stuff going around where you think, why do we need this kind of stuff? For instance, there are still companies in different parts of the world that are manufacturing, for instance, landmines. Yeah. And yeah, we think, okay, now active, active conflicts. But the fact is, there are places in this world where there are still landmines that are nearly 100 years old, landmines from the Second World War, Uh, Vietnam War, all different kind of conflicts all around the world. But the stuff there still lying around. Even the, all the the ammunition was lying in the ground of of the of the what do you call it? The, the First World War, the trench war, and so on. This whole area is so contaminated. It's it's destroying the environment, and anyone who's who lived there for a certain time got ill. All those people, those um, you could only call them heroes because these, are, these people, really well trained, talented, they're taking a huge risk trying to remove all this uh, ammunition. There are plenty of explosives there, and they've been every year. Several of these these soldiers, these engineers, and so on, they die because some kind of 
old explosive sudden explodes and kills them. Yeah. And it's crazy. And you have as well all these war zones in the Middle East where children just walk over a mine and get killed. It's not just the soldiers that get lamed. It's all these civilians. Africa is littered full of, of explosive First, Second World War and all the wars that later on happened between all different countries here and there. And it's, it's just crazy. And there's still companies who are manufacturing landmines today. It, it's It's really interesting because this is... There's a lot of talk about how millennials, you know, the younger generation, that's, um, I guess, the generation between myself and my kids, mm. uh, haven't gotten it together financially yet. But there is, there's a, and I sort of disagree with that basic um, statement. At the same time, there's something incredibly positive that's coming out of the millennials as investors. They are, you know, the, the, the fastest growing part of the investing universe is this is this part focused on ESG, which is environment, um, uh, social, and governance. It's this mm-hmm. the the idea of um, you know purpose. socially responsible, sustainable investing. And, exactly, and having it has to have a purpose. Otherwise, yeah. they need yeah. a purpose. And and interesting thing, recently I saw a, a TV show about where they asked uh, young kids, the Generation Z. They have even one additional, they want purpose and they want answers. What do you think? Wow. Mm. I haven't heard that answers. Uh, that's, yeah. so that's, but that's, that's the next, that's after the millennials. That's the kids that are now maybe, uh, let's say 14, 15, 17, 18 or so in that bracket that are now. They'll be soon going, leaving school, doing uh, studying, getting apprenticeships and so on and so on. Uh, that's the next generation. Even the people who may be joining startups or other kind of companies where they think, why are we doing this? Is this yeah. okay? This is not okay. I don't want to work. Like, for instance, I, I was having a chat uh, recently. Law firms. Some law firms pay very well and some don't. But uh, even lawyers are now recognizing, hey, I don't want to work hundreds and hundreds of hours, damage my health, do something unethical. I'd rather do something that has purpose and get paid less. At least I can look at myself every morning in the mirror, and when I see my kids, I can say, okay, I've done something right, and not I'm contributing to destroying their future. It's, I mean, I, I think that there's a, there's a natural pendulum that swings. And if you mm-hmm. think about, you know, um, the, there's, a, there's a focus on wealth creation, then there's a recognition that there is... Um, a certain level of inequality, and then there's a focus on wealth distribution. And then because of certain elements of wealth distribution, the creation takes the back seat a little bit. And so then then what happens is there's not as much created. And then so we go back to this process of, okay, how do we then support entrepreneurial uh, endeavors? And I think I think there's this, this natural pendulum swing that's and and right now we have so much incredible wealth in you know a lot of concentrated hands the next generation is i think that they're looking at you know how do we connect the dots how do we figure out how to find that middle path where the pie continues to grow and is distributed in a way that makes more sense protects the environment you know takes our social our cultural um, love of other human beings into account, um, provides governance structures at the corporate level, at the government level, 
that's better. And I think, I think we're seeing a lot of, uh, I, I hope, I hope we're seeing a lot of, you know, last gasps of, um, power focused struggle. Uh, and, and I think, I think we have in front of us, uh, even, even if it is capitalist in nature, I think we have in front of us a more, uh, egalitarian shared outcome. And I'm, it's not two years away. It's probably not five years away, but it's, it feels like it's coming. It feels like we're tilting towards something in a system in the U S specifically, that's more fair, uh, and, and actually supports a, a higher, um, lifestyles for more people, which I think is hugely positive. And I think the next, the gen, I think it started with millennials. I think Gen Z, which is basically my kids' generation, are you know, like you said, they're asking the questions. They're saying, "Hey, why why are we doing it this way? Let's do it a better way." And I think they may they may be successful if we let them be successful. They may be successful in threading that needle and finding that balance between um, creation and fair distribution of our shared cultural successes. Yes, absolutely. I mean, there are plenty of millennials that are now let's say, taking the seat or the driving seat uh, in companies where the parents and grandparents had built the company up and uh, they are now taking control and they are kind of learning, of course, from experience of the parents and grandparents and at the same time adding their color to where they say, okay, now where, which direction do I want to take it? How do I want to improve it without growing crazy, but still saying, okay, I've I've learned all the values. I've learned all the business skills. Now it's up to me how I will take responsibility for those who are working for me, how I take care of my customers, how I take care of subs of suppliers and everything. And, and when you think it, even in corporate, they, they went, there were, for instance, times when in corporate companies, sometimes even the unions did something that was highly unethical. For instance, I remember one company where I once worked for, they, They had subcontractors, IT service companies who supplied staff to maintain the IT. And it didn't matter whether you were a subcontractor for IT or other kind of stuff. It didn't matter. But sometimes these people had a desk and a phone. And the unions wanted that the person only has a number, no name on it. But this person used to work there for years. So they practically were bullying the staff to corner out these people and it, they're quite they are more or less dehumanizing them and that's not something that you should be doing and, and you eventually start asking questions as you say why are you doing this this is not correct it's not ethical it's not human um it's definitely i'm sure not by any any religious seeing whether it's the bible or, or buddhism or hinduism and so on it is not the right thing to do And you can auto on one hand say one thing you want to do and others on the side you do something totally different. It just doesn't work. And yeah, and these generations are asking as well now even more and more intensively and besides saying, tell me, why are you doing it? Because I don't see the purpose. There's no mission. What do we really want to accomplish? And that's when you start thinking, hmm, Why I'm actually doing this? Yeah, yeah, and you maybe start deciding. Okay, I want to do this and this. For instance, as I told you before, I had a, a few years ago suddenly unexpected, just before Christmas, a slip disc, and I said, "Oh, 
I couldn't even stand like 20 minutes in front of a camera to record something. Could my events that I hadn't, I had to sh cancel them all. Yeah, I had to change my entire work style and, and schedule and everything until I could do something. And I was so happy once I did again a travel. I went to South Africa, spoke in front of lots of entrepreneurs who wanted to get guidance, how to start a business, how to turn them around. And that's when you think, wow, ah, at last you're out and everything. And then you start thinking, okay, hmm, why am I actually doing this? Yeah, because you're doing usually it all for your family. You want to have your kids or your family, everything better and so on and so on for your employees. And you start thinking, wait a minute, there must be something as well in it for me. What do I want? It can't be all just working or taking care of a family and this and that. And then I decided, hey, I want to work towards doing my pilot license because that's what I always wanted to do. As a kid, I wanted to leave school and become like an aircraft designer, which I didn't. <laughs> and yeah, and now I think, yeah, I'm working towards my, my license. Because many years ago when I was in the UK, I thought, oh, I want to go to Biggin Hill and take there a flying course and learn to fly. Biggin Hill is like Second World War, one of the most famous and important airports of Royal Air Force. Hmm. But I didn't have at that time... One minute I didn't have the money at that time. I had the money, but I didn't have the time. And now you have like this experience and say, wow, it just hits you. <laughs> I think hmm. you're lying there on the sofa days and days trying to recuperate. You have your physiotherapy and everything, painkillers and all the kind of stuff that they <laughs> give you. And it changes your perspective, of course, of things. And the same thing as you say now, your brother suddenly dies. It's unexpected. It's anything. Wow. There was... There was no warning. Yeah, it's yeah. it's. I mean, it's it's funny you say that you're going to get a pilot. I mean, I uh, the first week after Dave died, it was. I mean, I was just a mess, a hundred percent of the time. Uh, I had a, I had one really good friend. Um, his name is John, and he called me up and said, "Hey, let's go for a walk." And so I went for a walk with with John, and we we walked for about <clears throat> we walked for about eight and a half miles. And on this walk, I was asking him, you know, what's what are the important things that that I should be thinking about and doing? Because I, I need I need help, I need guidance, I need support. Because I I'm really in a fog. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I'm doing. And he said, "Well, let's let's start with just the things that you've you've always wanted to do and haven't done." Um, and I started writing down that list. And I've always wanted to learn how to scuba dive. I too have wanted to learn how to fly a plane, um, and just a couple other things. And 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 it was interesting that he said, "Well." it doesn't sound like any of those things are work related. Like those are all the things that you had wanted to do, but then you worked really hard instead of doing those things. I said, yeah, that's right. And he said, well, I think maybe you have to get through this initial, you know, shock and pain and, and, and stuff around losing your brother. But then when you come out the other end, you know, when you write these things down, put them somewhere where you can see them. And so come back to them and maybe do one of them. So to, to your point, you know, I'm sure that we all have a list of things that we have always wanted to do and we've set aside for other reasons, responsibilities, you know, uh, you know, imagined responsibilities, uh, things that we thought we were supposed to do. And there's all these things were in our hearts that we wanted to pursue. Uh, and maybe, maybe there's a way to carve out enough time, enough space to do a couple of these things. And they could be, you learn how to cook. It could be, learn how to fly a plane. It could be, 
like I said, scuba diving or something like something else. It could be just, you know what I want to do is I want to, I want to volunteer in a preschool and help kids learn how to read. It could be, there's so many things that, that it could be, um, really you can create meaning and joy in your life, but it starts with understanding what might create meaning and joy in your life. You have to sort of do the internal work and what a, the shock of your injury or the shock of losing my brother, what that does is it says, okay, may, maybe we should take a minute and, and reconsider what's important uh, and rethink about those things that we had always said were important. And maybe they're not as important as we thought they were. Uh, maybe, they, maybe they've taken on a, a patina of importance because of culture, because of social media, because of you know, our desire to belong, because of you know, how we want other people to think of us or whatever but really get to the heart of what's important to you individually and then start, start taking steps to make those things happen. And that's my brother died and that's a tragedy and I will miss him forever, but I'm taking this lesson out of it. And, and there, you know, I will be doing some of those things and I, I appreciate the reminder as painful as it is that that's important. Exactly. And that's the thing where we have to just take the time and think and decide, okay, uh, and find out, figure out how we can do it. Like, for instance, when I started doing my training, I wanted to, I wanted to travel to the, to the US, to the training there and everything. And then pandemic came and changed everything. I have even a friend that even said to me, hey, you can then, I've got a plane in Canada, I've got a plane in USA and a helicopter. Yeah, you can, and I have even friends where I can go and uh, get you to exercise on a plane and so on and get more exercise. Like the thing is, for instance, most of um, aviation schools, they let you land on, on tarmac, not on turf, on grass, and on sand and that kind of stuff. But he's got a plane on a, on a spot in Canada where there's turf. So I can actually exercise. And that's something that you would have to, be able to do because if for whatever reason you suddenly have to land for an emergency you have to do that um yeah i even did last year i even flew with another guy uh, took me around to uh, fly with a motor glider i had never flown a motor glider or, or in a glider i thought oh glider would be crazy and it would scare me or something at least with a motor i can can somehow uh, manage everything i know what i'm doing and i can somehow have an influence and it's not the wind because I uh, I sail as well. So on sailing boats, of course, you have wind. And, and when you experience wind on, on the big ocean, wind is very powerful. Wind can move huge waves. And even a big boat can be rocketed, a container ship or a big four-master. It's just crazy what the sea and the wind can do to big, big ships. And when you think of here, a little plane and you're just gliding on there and you suddenly notice, hey, it feels like like how birds fly and you suddenly get a totally different perspective of life and everything becomes small and unimportant because you're gliding there and to a certain point when you say, okay, now we have to go fly back and land, we switch on the motor and continue to fly. And the same thing if you're flying with a Cessna or something and your motor dies and you can't switch it on again. You have to somehow not freak out and do something stupid and get killed. Instead, you have to somehow get the plane down safely. Because it's not just about you and your plane. It's that your plane maybe can fall onto something, onto somebody and so on. 
when you think of all these aircraft strategies where planes fall into cities, uh, pilots have even avoided cities, towns, villages, and uh, risk their own lives and get killed. But they rather protect the other people instead of uh, just saving their own lives and don't taking care whether they kill 20 people who are living maybe in some house or somewhere. And yeah, so it's it's a quite a different experience as well. You have a different ex feeling, okay, I have to take, of course, responsibility again there for everybody who is maybe around me, who I take with me or where maybe might crash land or anything. And you have to find ways how can you mitigate risk and take things serious as well. For instance, you see often on TV and videos and so on, pilots do checklists. And when you take that even into your own business, into your own life, you think, okay, I need a checklist. So even if you're married and suddenly pass away, your partner needs to know, okay, what do I do now? Where do I go? Where? What are the bank accounts? I need exactly like a folder where everything is there instead of letting them suddenly figure out what to do. And it's it's something then strange where you think, okay, that's maybe something you do with 80, but there are plenty of people who are even 80 and haven't done that. Yep. And suddenly yep. somebody else has to start to try, pick up the, the shambles of the situation and figure out whilst they're still mourning and, and <sighs> totally through the mangle. It's, uh, I mean, it's, it, you, you said something like, I don't know, in, in the first couple seconds of that, that I think is really important is at the front of every checklist. And that is, do you, you ever read Douglas Adams? Um, yes. Uh, the, do you mean the, the, what's it called? The Journey or whatever? The Hitch Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I've read that when I was a kid. You remember on the, on the cover of the book is printed, Don't Panic. And I think that's, yeah. that should be, you know, number one on, on every checklist that follows, you know, you know, preparation for something, recovery from something, uh, that whole idea of don't panic. Uh, and, and you mentioned it in, you know, when you were talking about what happens when you lose the engine on the Cessna, um, you know, you can glide, it does work. It's not optimal, but it can work. And so the first thing, don't panic. And I think that's when you're talking about people working like myself, working with clients, uh, uh, in, in investing that don't panic becomes very important. But also when my sister-in-law Judy loses my brother, um, not panicking is really important. Uh, and, and there's been a lot of talk, you know, the family sat around and, um, I, I think that I'm supposed to be the one a little bit that, that steps in and starts saying, okay, here's the checklist. Here's what we have to do because I'm the one that's in, in financial services and I'm the one that's really close to my brother. And I've been uh, frankly unable to, because, you know, it just, it hurts too much to think about it. And, and eventually I'll come around to it and I'll be able to be more supportive and more helpful in that space. But right now it's all about, you know, survival, uh, surviving the emotional storm. Um, and th thankfully I know that nothing is critical right now. I know that right now, the first month, first two months, it's really all about survival. And I know that because I've been involved in his his planning so far in his life, I know that there's enough in that space that they can, you know, Judy can be patient in this process uh, and and take time and um, you know her, 
the community is very supportive and I know that she's going to be okay. And so I don't have to panic about it. Um, and I know that she's still panicking a little bit, which I guess it's a, it's a mishmash of, of emotions. Uh, and that's just part of it. Um, yeah, it's the first, the first item on every checklist. Don't panic. Don't panic. Exactly. And that's the same thing as well, even in sailing, the way you, you train and exercise all the time when somebody dr falls off to the boat, what to do, don't panic, don't go nuts. And one has to keep an eye watching where is the guy in the water and the other one has to maneuver the boat to get back and to pick him up. Because if you panic and you lose sight of him on the sea, you won't find him again. Right. And that's that's the crazy thing, especially when the waves are big and everything. And and that's the thing in in, in sailing. You say as well as one hand for the boat and one for your uh, one for the sail and one for yourself or for the boat or so, depending. Which means, of course, you have to hold tight that you don't fall out and want to help guide the boat in the right direction. And the same thing as in life as well. All these different things. And even the armies and so on, where they train and train until it becomes natural and you know what you're doing in that situation. And you don't have to think about it or question yourself. You know, I have to do this and this, and that's the right thing to do, and boom. And yeah, and of course, there are certain things in life where usually people just don't train, don't exercise, don't create uh checklists and thing or even just make notes down and think okay what should i think about I've, i've got my stuff at least tidy that somebody else can figure out because let's say you have an injury and you can't get out of bed anymore and you have to tell somebody go and look in there and he just finds a mess he can't find his stuff and gets frustrated and then it just causes uh, terrible frustration for us because you can't get up you can't go and tell him here look and find this and that one is just from your feeling just behaving just silly or, or, or just annoying you and it just creates conflict and if you can at least keep everything tidy in a way that one can find something properly then even if you're still there at least it's not such a terrible experience that you can have yeah bringing it kind of full circle i mean one of the one of the um tools that i think you know the sort of spiritual folks, religious folks have talked about for years, but there's actually a lot has, has come a lot more to the forefront in secular U.S. culture is this concept of mindfulness. You know, how given the world throws you things you didn't predict and couldn't understand that might come, um, uh, you know, how do you not panic? Uh, and that's, that's where mindfulness comes in. Mindfulness is this, you know, non-judgmental awareness of the present moment. This is, This is the reality before we apply narratives, before we say, oh, yeah, I saw this happen before, and this was the next thing that happened, before we apply the catastrophism that we often apply to bad things that happen. Um, mindfulness says, okay, this is what's happening. This has happened. This is reality. What's the next thing? And it gives you a little bit of space between you know, whatever just happened and your next thing, your next step, your next action um, that could be a positive or negative action, but it gives you space to help you take a better action. Um, and I'm reading, you know, I'm reading a lot of, I've never studied grief before. I've never considered it. It's never been an issue that's risen to the surface for me. And I've, you know, been listening to podcasts and 
uh, reading blogs and reading books on the topic. And I have, you know, clients have sent me um, great books on, on death and dying and, and dealing with death and dying. And um, it's, you know, the, the, one of the things that I, I um, am taking out of it is an understanding that what, whatever you can do, whatever that next step is, you know, you, you sort through it, you do your best job, but then you can't, you can't judge yourself after the fact. You do what you can do. You do the best you can do. Uh, and then recognize that the best you can do is going to improve. It, it, it will get better over time, incrementally, little by little. But right now, you can't beat yourself up. The narrative, I mean, oh my God, the narratives that go on in my head are, you know, I want to remember everything about my brother, but every time I remember stuff, it just destroys me. So I want to forget, but I don't want to forget because that would be dismissive of his memory. Um, there's, you know, stories about, well, he was a much better father than I was. And so I need to adopt these things about how my, about how he, you know, practiced fatherhood. And then I go, well, but he, you know, had this and this and this issue. And then I'm, I'm but I can't be judgmental of what, what, of the kind of person he was, because that's again, dismissive of who he was as a person. Um, uh, and it's, that's okay. You know, it's okay to not know and to just do the next best thing you can do and to not judge yourself consistently for screwing up. And that's, that's a tough road, but it's, it's, uh, uh, it's, I think right now when I look forward, it's the most important thing I can do for myself. It's also the most important thing I can advise for anyone that's going through, um, whether it's an injury or, or a death in the family or the loss of a loved one or whatever it might be. Uh, it's do the best thing you can do and then get better a little bit over time and stop judging yourself so harshly. Exactly. And that's the thing where often people outside don't really see what's happened or what's influencing you. Why do you change certain things or maybe why are you doing certain things in a certain way where you think, well, uh, why isn't it doing this thing or why is it doing that thing? People sometimes judge and just don't understand um, the why, the connection. They can't connect the dots in, in that sense. And when you think of it, yeah, sometimes we have things to overcome, some adverse situations and so on. And... Sometimes when we then try to handle these adverse situations that are unexpected, sometimes we actually do maybe go beyond what we usually would presume we would be able to do. Um, just a, an example from life, like before I left school, uh, we usually at the end of school year, when you finally finish your secondary uh, school, time you have like a final exam and then you get your degree that you can go and study at university and everything else and i like four four weeks before i had kidney stones and i was pumped with painkillers in the hospital because it was just so bad it was just horrible and i couldn't remember the name of my doctor he told it was such a simple name he he wasn't in in english he would you would call like dr bird and i just couldn't remain he told it and one less than one second later i'd already forgotten it and it's just crazy and i had like in the end i had like three weeks to learn everything i needed for the exams because i had gladly lost all the memory of what i learned the six to 12 months before so it was just blank. And then I was, I, I, we had like four big exams to do. And I had English, I had math, 
geography and history. And then I'm sitting there in mass and look at the questions and I think, did we ever do this? I have no clue. And usually uh, all my years always I would sit there and even if I couldn't figure out one question, I would stay to the last minute to try to somehow figure out the thing. There I maybe was 10, 20 minutes and I thought, no chance. I just don't know anything. I don't even know what this is. Yeah. <laughs> and then I said, okay, for the first time in my life, I'm just going to hand this paper in and go out because it's just pointless when you are absolutely blank. And yeah, but I still passed and I still got my apprenticeship and later on studied and so on. But that's the thing where you think, oh, crazy. You, this is an unexpected thing. You have to handle it. If I had said, no, I'll do it next year and repeat a year, I'm sure I would have lost my apprenticeship. My life would have been totally different. Yeah, But it shows you that in certain situations that hit you in the face, that you can still somehow handle it and find ways. And, and, and sometimes it's just crazy because think of it, after three weeks, I had no way somehow learn all this stuff. It's just crazy. Yeah. In three weeks, learning the stuff that you learned like for a year and a half. <laughs> Impossible. But somehow it's worked. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, and that's what life sometimes it is. It's whether it's injuries, health, things that hit us or, or people uh, having other kind of experiences like the entire business falls apart uh, or things happening and so on. People just suddenly disappear and the entire company falls apart and the family is devastated. They don't know what's happening and so on and so on. Yeah. Happens everywhere. Yeah. And then we recover. Yeah, exactly. And we, those who are left then back, they try to somehow figure out how to continue or to repair what's broken and to a certain degree at least keep the memory in the right way that they can always... When you think about the person that you can always re remember them and, and think of the times and, and hours that you had. Um, because when I had a, in one company, I had a colleague, he needed a heart surgery. He was like 30, wonderful guy. He was, he looked like big guy, tough, like you would imagine muscle guy, like someone who you wouldn't argue at a club in the evening, like a bouncer. <laughs> but he was the most heartful and feeling person you could have deep conversations with him he was such gentile person but outside you think "Ooh, i won't handle i won't mess up with this guy and yeah he died during heart surgery he died at the age of i think 32 Oof. and even though i had just known him maybe for two months maybe i think maybe less than a year and it's now, I would say, more than maybe 12 or 14 years that he died. And I, every year I think of him. Yeah. yeah. Because this person still is somehow in my heart, even though we're not related to each other, we didn't work, we didn't study together. I just knew him for a few months. Yeah. But I still remember the conversations the humanity, the humility, the greatness that he actually had. 
Yeah, listening to, uh, you know, listening to the, the day of the services for my brother, listening to people talk and tell stories, it, it, very much that kind of a guy. He was six foot six. He must have weighed probably 240. He was a big guy. Um, you know, it, when you got a hug from Dave, you know, it was one of the best hugs you ever got. Uh, when, you know, he, he, he would he would give you his ear, you had his ear, and and he would understand the issues, whether they were emotional issues or technological issues, and he would help. And he lent that to, you know, everyone on his team at work, his family, his, he, he had a huge set of friends. Um, and it was, you know, it was really awesome to hear how people experienced him and, and the kind of effect he had on so many people's lives. Um, and, you know, lots of tears and lots of crying and lots of pain, but to know that he had that effect, to know the respect that he had in his community um, was huge. Uh, uh, and, and Christian, I, I, I realize we're coming close to an end here. And I just, I just wanted to say thank you. Um, we could have canceled this and rescheduled this and um, would have had a completely different conversation. But I really appreciate that you were willing to kind of walk through this with me today. And it, it means a lot. And I really appreciate it, Christian. Thank you. Absolutely. And it was wonderful talking to you as well about uh, this really important and deep topic because it's something that actually will always hit us all somewhere, sometime. Whether we lose a friend, a relative, somebody very, very close, whether we lose a child or parents, it's something that usually will hit you in some kind of way. And yeah. Uh, life and especially this world is still quite volatile in itself. And when we think, yeah, we would presume that things would be easier nowadays. We've got so much stuff with medicine and we have learned so much, presumably. But still the world is somehow in a crisis with itself and things are not always that easy as we would expect it to be. But I think it's good that, that many people are now asking as well much more about purpose and they want to really do something. But it's important as well to learn as well from history and take that as well to think about, okay, what does it mean for me? How do I want to take these values or other kind of things and really um, grow as well? And I don't mean financially, but as well, um, how should I say it? In earth, not sp spiritual is not necessarily that well, but it's mindset and thinking. How it's do well. I use the time? How do I use my energy as well? And then we always days where you think, oh, now I've wasted the whole day. I've done this and this, and I, I shouldn't have done it. I, I should have focused on this and this thing. But yeah. And then you realize, no, it wasn't a waste of day. Yeah, it's, if there's one lesson you know, that I, that I would hope that people would learn And it's, it's almost impossible to have this expectation, but, you know, tragedy and crisis, um, really brings home to those of us who go through it, the importance of thinking about what's important about purpose, about meaning tragedy and crisis automatically does that for those of us who go through it. The lesson I think is that We can actually think about these those things without tragedy and crisis. And to the extent that we can see other people in tragedy and crisis and make the change and make that effort, it can only be good for us. Um, and I, I would recommend that folks 
take the time, think about what's meaningful to them and their purpose um, before they have tragedy. That's a better way to go about it. Exactly. And that's the thing. You have to really find what's your definite purpose. And that's what, for instance, I found as well. When I had that much time with my slip disc, I had so many days and hours lying on a sofa or in bed and, and reading books as well, reading a lot of books. Um, for instance, um, what do you call it? Uh, there's a book by... Um, that's crazy. No, I can't find it. It's, it's not it's not actually about the devil but it's uh about um ah, it's crazy wait a second let me quickly check out now i know it is the um outwitting the devil and that's a very, very good book because it actually makes you think about many things. And that's where I thought, okay, what's the definite purpose I really want to do? And that's why I thought, okay, I want to use my expertise, my knowledge to help other people whilst as well continuing to build businesses that have a purpose and a really great, great thing. And that's will be a great thing. So, um, before we end this, um, Jonathan, how can people actually connect with you? Yeah, the, I mean, the best place to go to connect would be to our website, which is mindful.money. Mm -hmm. uh, and you can find the social media channels that um, that you prefer there. You can also subscribe to our, our weekly perspectives. You know, I do a curated thing. I write a little thing about markets and economies. And I actually highlight, you know, my favorite uh, conversations that week I've had on, in this kind of a resource as well so uh well when this is up and recorded we'll put this in our weekly perspective so people can people can access it there as well yeah i think so as well because it's you need always uh, content to think to mind feed and that's as well since that time i read every day i read books or i listen to a book and so on and then afterwards think about it mm -hmm. and think about how can i use it for myself what does it relate and how does it fit to my purpose what can i learn from these people whether it's business people or other kind of things there's so much there you just need to access it and this is a great thing about it so it was great having you here on the show and i'm sure sometime in the future we'll be chatting about other topics yeah thanks christian
I hope you enjoy today's episode of The Growth Zone with Christian Barge. Thank you for listening. Please leave a review or rating here on iTunes or on podchaser.com. If you found the content helpful, then share it on social media. I would like to invite you to follow our show so that you don't miss the upcoming interviews with leaders in the market. Simply visit the website follow.prmediareach.com. I will be adding the link also to the description of this episode so that you just need to click on that link. For those of you who are listening and signing up to follow the show, I have reserved a free copy of the ultimate guide on content marketing. This is the strategy that got me top corporate clients like McDonald's, Linde, Hewlett-Packard, Deutsche Bank, Volvo and many others. That strategy has been working for over 10 years. It also got me contracts with police, transport authorities, military and several universities and even leading research institutes. For sure, it also worked wonders as it got me many small, medium-sized entrepreneurs and enterprises as clients. And that even included international clients from all around the world. The link to sign up for our free broadcasting service and the guide is follow.prmediareach.com. That will give you access to the most recent version of my ultimate guide on content marketing. You can follow me as well on Twitter by using the Twitter handle CAPBarge. That's spelled Charlie Alpha Papa Bravo Alpha Romeo Tango Sierra Charlie Hotel. Yes, that is CAPBarge. Charlie, Alpha, Papa, Bravo, Alpha, Romeo, Tango, Sierra, Charlie, Hotel.